Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this show. When you're done listening, I hope you take a minute and write a quick review on whichever radio or podcast platform you've heard this show. Your insights will help others to be inspired and encouraged. I have a great show for you today. I'll help you find perspective for life's circumstances. I'll also be interviewing Vicki Snaver, who learned to be self-sufficient early in life. In four decades of hard work, she found a path to being authentic at work and is passionate about helping others do the same. She learned from her own experiences that people only do their best purpose-driven work when they bring their authentic selves to work in a way that feels right to them. In today's episode, she talks about her book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose. This book guides its readers on how to define their life story to discover their pivotal moments, values, and their purposes, which together create the foundation for ultimate success and a rewarding work life. For more information about Vicki, please visit vickysnaver.com. You may also purchase your book on Amazon. Thank you so much for listening to Lifeology. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. Finding perspective for life's circumstances. Life happens to all of us. It doesn't matter if you're considered a quote, good person or quote, bad person. Life is just going to happen. And often when that does happen, we become overwhelmed because we think, why me? Or why is this happening to me? So there's always a first response and then a second response. That first response is always the fight or flight version of, oh my gosh, this is too overwhelming. Or we shut down or we don't talk to people or we just feel as if there's no hope. Once we're aware of that initial response, then we ask ourselves, what am I going to do about this? In the moment, it's often difficult to find the answer that we seek. However, if you look at previous data or previous circumstances in your past, you have felt this way before. The situations may be different, but the emotions are the same. And when you can reflect on those things that worked for you to overcome that emotion, you do those things. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. As we know, time always gives us perspective. So when we get lost in the moment of, oh my gosh, this is my life, or this is how it's always going to be, unfortunately, that is what we call emotional forecasting. You take a snapshot of how you feel right now and think your life will always be that way. And my friend, it won't always be that way. It's simply how you feel right this second. Once perspective happens, we can look back at our life and say, oh, now it makes sense why this happened. Or if this hadn't happened, I may not have met my spouse. Or if this had happened, this is what I would have missed. I always like to tell people that each event in your life is like a jigsaw puzzle. Every jigsaw puzzle piece links together to create a picture. And today, you are that picture that was created. The difference is if we allow one of those events or jigsaw puzzle pieces, if you will, then we allow that events to define us. It can define us, but only if we want it to define us. When you look at a jigsaw puzzle, we can often define the borders. That's how most people start a puzzle is to create the borders. And that makes sense because the edges show where it goes. But some of these other pieces, we think, well, that doesn't look right. Or where in the world would that even go? That color doesn't even match. But as you work on the jigsaw puzzle, you realize where each piece fits. That's exactly how it is in life. Things we don't like or things we do like all link together to give us different perspectives, different ideas of how we look at the world, but we define what makes sense for us. 
So that's why it's important to do a self-reflection right now. So every event, whether you liked it or not, whether you agreed with it, whether it was fair, whether it was not fair, is a combination of who you are today. So that's why this lesson is important. If we get too focused on one unhealthy event, we forget that it all links together and many opportunities have been provided for you today. To find that perspective, and remember, you are the picture that was created from all of those life events. I have a wonderful interview today with Vicki Snaver. Vicki teaches you how to use each pivotal moment to help you find the lessons that allows you to be the most authentic person you can be. So stay tuned. Have you ever thought, gosh, I'd love to start my own radio show or podcast, but I have no idea how to do it? Or are you a seasoned veteran who wants to level up and improve all aspects of your show? Well, I will be working with a select few to help you either start or polish your show. These are a few topics I will teach you. How to create your brand and how to be specific with your niche and your audience. The types of equipment you should use to help you improve the quality of your audio and your video. I'll teach you how to get your show aired on most podcasting platforms, as well as give you an option to create a video podcast. I'll teach you which recording platforms are best for your needs, as well as teach you the importance of having a show clock, the do's and don'ts of writing your own show notes that will help increase the reach of your audience and generate traffic to your website. I'll also introduce you to some of my contacts and previous guests. I'll also be offering a select few the opportunity to broadcast your show on my platform and have access to my three and a half million listeners. So if you're ready to start or level up your show, then visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James and sign up today. It's time, my friend, for you to stand out and share your message with the world. Once again, visit www.jamesmillerlifeology.com forward slash work with James to get started today. My guest today is Vicki Snaver, who learned to be self-sufficient early in life. In four decades of hard work, she found a path to being authentic at work and is passionate about helping others do the same. She learned from her own experiences that people only do their best purpose-driven work when they bring their authentic selves to work in a way that feels right to them. In today's episode, she talks about her book, Authenticity Reawakened, the path to owning your life story and fulfilling your purpose. This book guides readers on how to define their life story to discover the pivotal moments, values, and their purposes, which together create the foundation for ultimate success and a rewarding work life. Welcome to my show, Vicki. Oh, thanks so much, James. I'm so excited to be here. I'm not only um, excited to be here, but I'm a huge fan as well. So I love your show and I love the work you're putting out into the world. I appreciate that so much. Thank you. That's really kind. I, re I really do appreciate that. And that's why I get to, I love my work because I get to meet amazing people like you. When I was reading your backstory, you I, I love the tenacity of your life. I mean, there's so many things that are great about you. But you didn't stop until, and you're still not stopping, until you were able to accomplish your goals. And it went from working hard and with did wonderful in high school, put, put college on hold for a bit, then you work through it, and then you continue to grow and develop. So I can't wait to hear that part of your story. Well, I, all of it really, because like I said, there's so much tenacity there. So I would love to hear when you graduated high school, what happened for you that there was a struggle for whatever reason to start university? Sure. Well, my parents, I'm the youngest of 12 kids. Um, oh and yes, and my, uh, parents, I get my... <laughs> right. my parents simply didn't have the means. And I'd really been mm -hmm. almost supporting myself entirely since I was 16. And so I looked at, gosh, you know, I can take out loans and things like that. This was in the late seventies, or mm -hmm. I can just go to work and save some money and get some experience and then get back at it. What I 
realized pretty much at, you know, 18 years of age was that my path wasn't going to be uh, a speedy one. And I grew to be okay with that. So many times in our lives, I think early on even, we, we can see trends in our lives. And mine was always such that I would get to the goal, but I wasn't always the fastest person to getting at the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I am tenacious, as you mentioned in the, in the uh, intro. So, you know, I just thought it's okay. And and I would say that if I have one bit of advice for listeners today, it would be, you know, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to achieve your goals. It just matters that you mm-hmm. do. So keep going. Exactly. One of my favorite quotes is the last person in a race beats the person on the couch. And that's so important because it doesn't matter where you are in the race of life per se. It just means you just do something. You do something different. You do something different and you start to find that your life looks different. So like you said, it, you, you accomplish your goals. It didn't matter how long it took you, but you accomplish the goals. I think that's, like you said, a wonderful takeaway for all of my listeners is to be aware of that. When you compare ourselves to other people, unfortunately, that's all we're doing is comparing and we're always going to find someone who's better at something. I mean, it doesn't matter how good you are. There's always going to be someone who's quote better. And I've learned that. So I'm like, okay, I'm who I am. <laughs> But it is true. So good for you for really teaching us that as well, reminding us of that as well. Uh, Thanks. (laughs) When you started work and then you were able to go back in at university, you excelled significantly. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So it's very interesting. I mean, one thing is my husband and I have been married almost 38 years and we met in that very first class that I took. Oh, really? Sometimes, yes. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love that as well. And today I'm actually on the board of directors of that same university, which is a a wonderful thing too. But, you know, I I decided that, um, you know, I was going to go to school and I just started taking one or two classes because I was working full time and I was Mm -hmm. in my, you know, 18 years old. Uh, I was 21 by the time I started uh, college. And so I, I just knew, okay, I'm going to take a few classes each semester. And then you have, you know, I was, I got married and I was having children. I ended up having three children. So I'd go to school a semester, take one or two classes. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have to take a break along the way. And it it ultimately took 15 years to get through college, but um, But that was okay. Yeah, Yeah, I got through college and I, and I, you know, a lot of wonderful things came of that. And I was lucky at the time to work for an employer who said, well, you know, as long as you are going to, university, uh, we're going to continue giving you more responsibility. And I was enthusiastic. So I kept asking for more things Mm, to do and they had plenty of work to do. So they (laughs) said, okay, here, why don't you try doing this? Why don't you try doing that? And before you know it, without a degree, I was doing job of someone, you know, who would have a degree anyway. So I was gaining really important uh, work experience, life experience, And then, you know, supplementing that with my education, uh, which was actually really great. And, you know, ultimately I went on to get an MBA and having that work experience and moving up through the ranks in an organization was really something that I believe fully helped me uh, appreciate uh, the MBA as well. And I could come to class, even though I was old as most of the professors, (laughs) um, (laughs) that I I could come to class and really contribute and and learn. And, And that was great fun. You know, I, I used to teach at university myself years ago and also being at a university when I was a student. But I was, I remember when I was, when I was young in school and I would see all the, the, the quote older students and they were always like in the front row and they were so dedicated and motivated. And clearly I was not as right. a young kid, but I would be like, wow, they know everything or they actually read the book. And I was like, what? But then when I was a professor and I would see those same, you know, quote older students and they were the best because for one, they understand the importance of money, what they're actually paying for. 
uh, they wanted to learn and it was more of a, they're excited to match their life experiences with their schooling. And so the, I always enjoyed obviously working with individuals like that because they were so dedicated and drew on my knowledge to really, to, so that they could learn. But I do remember sure. the differences because, you know, the younger ones, like I'm sure most people who went to school when they were younger, probably didn't really care the way they would when they're older and they had to pay for it out of their own pocket as opposed to their parents or financial aid. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Makes a big difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, once again, a little shout out to whatever the well, place was that you worked because they sound like they're so kind to you and really understood your value and, and what your potential was and then just give you the additional responsibility. So I'm so glad you were able to work for oh. a location like that. That's Thank you. Yeah, I worked for Sarah Lee Corporation and the corporation no longer exists, but oh, it, it was a wonderful uh, organization and a global 146,000 employees in oh 60 my gosh. countries. Yeah. So uh, I, I really. Was that Sarah Lee? Was that yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. I really went out of, out of business. So, so the brand is still exists and it actually okay. was a conglomerate. So there mm. were a lot of um, brands that you may be familiar with, like Coach, for example, oh, or Gaines yeah. or Valley. Um, but, uh, but the, the, it basically there were a series of IPOs uh, mm. in the early 2000s, and so that the brand exists, but not the company per se. But yes, it's wonderful when you work for some or from, for an organization or for a leader that actually sees your enthusiasm and says, you know what, I'm I'm not going to care so much about whether you have a certain degree, but if you if you're willing to learn and dig in, then I'm going to give you every opportunity possible. No, that's wonderful. And I hope there are many more organizations and CEOs and, and managers like that. For sure. One thing that I really appreciate about you is you, when you're at work or just kind of looking around at your coworkers and even yourself, you really recognize how when people show up authentically that they do their best work. Can you walk me mm -hmm. through that? What is being in your authentic self? What does that mean? Yeah. So um, great question, James. So the first thing I would say is I want to give a working definition for authenticity, because mm -hmm. when I started to write the book, um, I did tons of research and read hundreds and hundreds of academic journals and books and things like that. But there is no one solid definition of authenticity. But my working definition is the following, to know who you are, to know what matters most to you, and then to show up in the world in a way that reflects that to the extent that you wish to do so. And the reason I say to the extent that you wish to do so is that it's important that you know who you are and you know what matters, but you don't have to go to work or, to, or an event or life uh, experiences and tell everybody everything sure. um, that you don't want to. So yes. it that's what I believe is so important. And so as I, uh, ultimately uh, made my way to the C-suite, I wanted to be the kind of leader that would look at the person sitting across the table from me and say, listen, please don't edit yourself. I want you to tell me exactly mm. what you're thinking in the way that you would say it. Don't try to mimic somebody else. I want you to show up as who you are. And what I noticed when people um, had that freedom and safety per se, is that they were so much more enthusiastic about their work. And they, and I, as, a, as their manager and leader, I got so much more from them as well. You know, you get the unedited truth, sure. if you will, at work. 
And so this is the thing. I mean, we learn to hide really early in our lives and, and that's okay. There's a, there's a time and a place for that. But as we, this is why I put reawakened in the title, as we grow and learn and gain confidence from our experiences, then it's incumbent upon us to take more of ourselves to stand up for the things that really matter mm -hmm. to us. And, you know, in the last year, we've had a lot of talk about diversity and inclusion. But organizations can't truly be include, inclusive if, you know, most of the people are hiding who they truly yeah. are at okay. work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. And well, first off, thank you so much. I, lo I love that definition. I think it's so important because it's true. You know, when I was, when I used to be in psychotherapy, uh, I would teach little kids and we would talk about boundaries. And so I would take little hula hoops when I would do like a little group class with them, uh -huh. take a little hula hoops. We'd all be inside of a hula hoop. And I would say, this is everything inside this hula hoop is me. My hair color, my, my silly jokes, you know, everything uh -huh. is me. And so then they would talk about what's in theirs. And then so we would go up and we kind of bump each other with the hula hoops. And I would say, okay, my hula hoop doesn't go into you or, you know, it doesn't, you don't come inside mine and don't come inside yours. And so we, mm. that's how I would teach boundaries as far as what does that look like inside of my hula hoop is me, my little world, my little force field. And so I would talk about that with them. And that's essentially on a very basic level. What you're saying as well is knowing yes. all the things you love about yourself, the things you don't like about yourself, the things that you're working on, the, your morals, your, mm -hmm. your ethics, all of that. And that's encompassed in your skin. And so as you go to locations for some, it may be relevant to talk about one topic or not talk about something. It just depends on mm -hmm. quote, reading the room, if you will, as mm -hmm. well as also being true to yourself when it comes to your boundaries and what you will allow in your life and what you won't allow in your life. Yes, beautifully said. And I love the hula hoop idea. That is absolutely <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> they loved it so much. So I was like, okay, that's fun. So yeah, it was always my favorite thing to teach as well, because we, I get to learn so much about them, everything that they love, the silly things that they do, you know, and it was just neat because it was, no one judged them because they were in their hula hoops. It was their safe space. Mm -hmm. And so everybody respected that safe space. So it was really, really cute to see little kids enjoy that as well. Yeah. And adults can learn from that too. We, we still have a hard time setting boundaries for ourselves. Oh my gosh. Exactly. In your mm -hmm. book, once again, Authenticity Reawakens, the path to owning your life story and fulfilling your purpose. You talk about five pivotal moments that each that's important in each person's life. Can you tell me more about that as well? Sure. So at any point in our life, we can look back as far as we possibly can remember and think about, you know, and, and don't get, I don't want the listeners to get too hung up on the number, you know, if, mm -hmm. I, I think five to seven would be right. Those life experiences that we can really, and I walk the readers through this, that we can say, aha, that experience changed me in a dramatic way. Wow. And it can be a good experience or it can be a bad experience, but a quick story. So for example, when I was in first grade, one of my pivotal life moments, when I was in first grade, we had homework and my family situation was chaotic and unpredictable and inconsistent. So homework wasn't really all that important, but I remember doing my quote homework for first grade. And when I came to class and I was participating, which was unusual for me, mm -hmm. the, the entire class clapped. Oh, really? And yes, wow. because again, oh, this was so, so unusual. So in my book, I say, okay, identify the experience. And that's what I just described. But then uh -huh. how did you feel about that experience that you can still feel that moment today? So to this day, I can feel how proud I was that day. And I can see that little girl that was me mm. and the power of that moment and how it changed my life. The next step in this process that I walk the reader through is what did I what are the gifts that I took away from that? Uh. 
And a gift can also be an area of discomfort and you're the psychologist and not me, but a gifts can be positive or, you know, areas of discomfort. But sure. in that case, um, I am now known for doing my homework. So I show up prepared <laughs> I love that. and I get, I get visibly irritated when other people, and James, I know you're the same way. I can tell this already. <laughs> I get visibly irritated when other people are not prepared or oh they try to fake their way through something. So <laughs> you can even hear it a little bit in my voice. The intonation is changing <laughs> a little bit. So yes. So, so this, so this would be how these experiences play out if you really do the homework in the book. So, you know, you, you identify five to seven of those. And then what I do is, so that's the part when I gave the definition about knowing who you are, these pivotal life moments help you know who you are. And then another exercise in the book is taking, you know, those gifts that when I talked about um, doing my homework and being prepared and then translating those into values. So that would be what really matters to you. So the values that would come from that one story alone for me would be preparation, mm -hmm. learning, and honesty. So all the work I've uh, done my whole career, even without even knowing it until I actually wrote the, wrote the book and being deliberate about it, was that learning is really important to me. I am a lifelong learner, but it really started in that moment in first grade. Wow. I absolutely love it. I, I love how you take that pivotal moment and and really look at the application of it today and how that really impacted your life. You know, when we talk about memories overall, when someone remembers something, there's a, there's a difference between remember it as a fleeting moment or remembering it in a visceral way. So kind of what you're saying, a visceral memory is going to be, you use all your internal five senses and to remember it. So what was, what did it look like in the classroom whenever it was, was clapping? What did, um, what did you hear? Yes. What did you see? What did you feel? Could you feel the papers? What did you, you know, wh whatever the, you know, obviously you're not going to taste anything unless you're biting on something, <laughs> paper biting on bed or something, or smell, you know, whatever it was. And so when the more of your five senses you use in your mind, when you recall a memory, the more that memory becomes, it permeates in your mind. It becomes more real as opposed to a fleeting thought. Because usually when we have a memory, like a funny memory or something, we, remember the feeling, but we don't remember the experience. And so when you remember the, only the feeling, it, it's harder to, to recall later. And so when we process, quote, negative emotions or negative situations, we, that's what we do is we use all of our five senses. And that's why that becomes more of a powerful memory, negative memory, because that's what we're doing exactly what I'm saying. You're using all your internal five senses to recall what happened. Oh, that person said this to me, or did you see the way that they stood? So when you talk about it like that to your friends, you're creating that visceral memory. So to do what you're doing is to create a visceral memory by using all of your five senses in that memory. And the more you can recall, the greater, more powerful that memory will be. Yes, beautifully said. And I'm doing a workshop tomorrow and I'm going to use some of that. Oh, so thank you for that. <laughs> oh, but, but, yeah. that you know, uh, and, and the one thing I would add to that is it really is important to write it down, at mm -hmm. least for the work yes. in the book, because then you, you know, these experiences, again, this is why I use the word reawakened, because, you know, five years from now, you may be adding to your repertoire of experiences. Yes. And, you know, and so it's, then you say, oh my gosh, I just encountered another one. I'm going to add it to my list. And what did I learn from that? What, how have my values changed as a result of that experience, et cetera? When, so when you write it down as well, currently write it down, you're also then using now your external five senses. So you're remembering your, the memory five senses. And then now as you're writing something down, your, your sense of touch is you're using your pen or, mm -hmm. or your, um, 
or typing it. Your, your sense of hearing as you hear yourself you know, scribble on the paper, you see it. And so it's the same concept. So the more of your five senses you yes. use when you remember something, it really solidifies that as well. It's so funny that you bring this up. It's, I hadn't done this in years. So I used to teach um, how you do a, um, a timeline for your life. And mm-hmm. we would do that quite a bit. We had to do that in my graduate work. And then for patients, it was, I did that for a really long time, but I haven't actually done that myself in years. But that's exactly what you're saying, going through the pivotal moments of, of what do you remember? And so I love this because I actually am going to go back and do this, especially when, it, when I purchased your book and kind of go through this myself, because what are those pivotal moments? So I love mm-hmm. from psychology, we did the timelines, but you are also doing this in the pivotal moments to really understand who you are and who you are not and how that really shaped who you are today. So brilliantly done. I mean, that's why you. you are who you are. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> so much. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, you talk about curiosity, how that plays into success. I want to hear more about that. What does that mean for you? Yeah. You know, I love the words. I wonder. Mm-hmm. And when you're at work, if you can allow yourself, you know, a lot of times we're sort of in the hamster wheel. We're just going, 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 going. And it's, um, we don't stop to wonder. We're really continuing to sort of get the next task done and checked off our Mm -hmm. list of things to do. But if we can find some space in our lives, whether it's personally or professionally or both, hopefully both, where we ask ourselves, you know, I wonder what it would be like if we did this process a little differently, Mm. or I wonder what it would look like if I could have a meaningful conversation with James instead of always bickering with him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's, it's some of those things, you know, being curious when you're curious and you don't go into the situation thinking that you already know everything or you don't know everything. And you say, you know what, I'm going to be open to learning something from this experience. And I'm going to be brave enough to actually share what I learned with someone mm-hmm. else who can possibly take action on what I've experienced. Oh, I think that, wow. uh, yeah, I think that that's great. And as a, a manager over my career, when someone would come in and say, I wonder if this process could be fixed so that we skip out steps seven, eight, nine, and 10. <laughs> and, and then, you know, good leaders will say, Hey, can you tell me more about that? I'd really love to see your idea. And then when that, then you, when you bring that to life, that is just, I still get goosebumps when that happens. Mm. And I think to be, to have, all members be aware of this. So obviously in life, we're looking to be around more self-actualized individuals, people who know, just show up, like you said, authentic, authentically, really showing that authenticity part of themselves or authentic part of themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, to, hopefully that's the goal for everyone. And so to be able to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable and telling someone this is probably a very difficult thing for some people. Uh, that's my mm-hmm. assumption, which is a fear. I mean, so when you have this fear but knowing that you can trust the people with whom you're speaking because they are, they've given you that permission to be authentic and they want you to be yourself, I would assume that that would be kind of a, a parallel process. So here I am, let's say you come to me with an idea and you are telling me this. And then to me to be authentic in my response is not going to be that of, you know, I can't believe you said that. This is ridiculous. So to have two people both grow at the same time from the maybe on a hierarchical level, the boss versus the employee, mm-hmm. or just two humans talking, I think that's such a beautiful parallel process that where everyone's learning together. So even though I'm learning something from maybe a subordinate, but I'm also learning how to be more authentic in my responses, authentic in, yeah, I don't know everything. So I would love to learn more. So teach me that. So I think it's, it goes hand in hand. Not only are we both learning together, but we're both showing up more authentically in that respect that we can really get to the root of what's happening as opposed to all the fluff that many times happens in corporations. 
Yeah. And, you know, James, I, I think there's one more book in me at least. And, you know, I wrote this one sort of not necessarily for leaders, but for people who are just trying to be themselves, you know, yeah, on a I daily like basis at work. Um, but, you know, if this pandemic that we've all been through has taught us anything, it's that the people that you're working with and and surrounded by your neighbors, et cetera, we're all human beings. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, in, on Zoom and work meetings that we've had now, you've had an opportunity to sort of get a sneak peek into their lives a little Literally. bit and see some of that. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, if we can't take the guard down, and Brene Brown, of course, has done some wonderful work on vulnerability. Mm -hmm. In my book, I talk about a bunch of different fears that uh, the readers may have and how to address them because I think fear is so important. And sometimes we just have to acknowledge that there are a lot of leaders who really aren't very skilled and really yeah, also aren't very confident in their leadership. And I've had a couple of those in my career and it's a real bummer when it happens. So sometimes you have to be the bigger person and the better leader, even though you may not have that um, particular position in the organization yet. Yeah, that's brilliant. Uh, Vicki, I wish we could talk more. Our time is already Thank up. You. It literally flew by. This 22 minutes is literally, like I said, flew by. So if my listeners want to find out more information about you and to purchase your book, Authenticity Reawakened, The Path to Owning Your Life Story and Fulfilling Your Purpose, where do they find all this information online? So you can find me at vickiesneighbor.com and that's V-I-C-K-I-Z-N-A-V-O-R.com. And I post something every single day on all the socials. But if you go to vickiesneighbor.com, you'll see my weekly blog and more. And then my book is available on Amazon. Wonderful. My listeners know that if they can't find this information in any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillertlifeology.com and I will link you with Vicki Snaver. Vicki, thank you so much for being a wonderful guest on my show today. I had so much fun with you. Oh, thank you, James. I had so much fun. And thanks again for your wonderful work. Thank you. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.